what if I told you not to live your dreams? Recently, I had the privilege of speaking at a graduation ceremony for high school students, and that's literally what I told them. I said, don't live your dreams in a very inspiring way. And so what I challenged them with this was this. I said, I realize that in this season, you're going to be inspired and encouraged and motivated by great speakers and speeches to live your dreams, to do great things with your life. And I said, don't. Now, let, let, me, let me clarify, right? I think we could all generally agree that every one of us have dreams. And we could agree that you need to fight to protect those dreams because there's people who want to steal that dream. And your dream, living out your dream, gives your life destiny and significance. And that you and I were designed with value and we're precious. Our life has purpose. But the challenge with living our dreams is this, it's so egocentric. So many of us, and this is what I told the students, I said, everything you're gonna hear is about you, you, you. You have dreams, you should live your dreams, you should accomplish great things. And I said, the challenge is we make it so much about me, myself, and I. And so what if I told you don't live your dreams? What if the purpose of your life is not to live your dreams, but to fulfill someone else's dreams? What if the dream God has for your life is to be the answer to the dream he gave someone else? I know what you're thinking. Who wants to be, who wants to be the answer to someone else's dreams? Well, let me, let me tell you a story about a, a young man that uh, did just that, and his life had incredible significance. Last week, I introduced you to a guy named Joseph. Joseph was the number 11 of 12 sons from Jacob. Um, Jacob is the son of Abraham. Uh, I'm sorry, son of Isaac, the son of Abraham, right? A family that God chose to use in order to um, save the world from sin. So here's Joseph. Uh, God gives him two specific dreams and from those dreams, Joseph, you know, realizes that he, he was designed for destiny, that he was created to lead and to rule and to govern. And quickly, because he shared those dreams, his brothers hated him, threw him into a pit, sold him into slavery, and he ends up in Egypt very far from his family, very far from what he believed was living out his dreams. Fast forward, Joseph ends up as a slave, and then he gets betrayed uh, by false accusations from his boss's wife. He gets thrown into prison. In prison, he meets uh, two guys who have dreams that they don't know what they mean. And they tell him to Joseph. Joseph interprets those dreams. And he tells them, hey, when you get out, remember me. Well, only one of them makes it back into the palace, and they forget Joseph. Until one day when Pharaoh has a dream. Actually, he has two dreams the same night. And that, that man uh, remembers that Joseph had interpreted his dreams. And he tells the Pharaoh, hey, I know this guy in prison who can interpret 
your dream. And so the Pharaoh calls Joseph out of prison, invites him to interpret his dreams. And so that's where our story is going to pick up. Our story in the life of Joseph is found in the Bible, the first book of the Bible, Genesis. And so we're jumping in Genesis chapter 41. Pharaoh said to Joseph, I had a dream and no one can interpret it. But I heard it, it said of you that when you hear a dream, you can interpret it. I cannot do it. Joseph replied to Pharaoh, but God will give Pharaoh the answer he desires. Joseph has learned over his years of, you know, being mistreated and abused, of being sold into slavery, ending up in prison. He's learned something that life isn't all about him, that it's not about his skills and his abilities. And so he's very quick to go, no, I can't interpret anything. The dream you've been given is from God. And the answer to the dream is going to come from God. And so Joseph is very quick to recognize. And, and so, you know, maybe Joseph had learned to apply that to his life. Maybe the dream I had all those years ago was from God. And that I'm not going to be the fulfillment of my own dreams. The dream came from God and God will fulfill my dreams. Well, Joseph goes on and he, he then offers the interpretation for the dream that Pharaoh had because he got that interpretation from God. And so the quick version is this. Um, he said to Pharaoh that your dream is about the well-being of your nation. And what it means is that there's going to be seven years of great abundance where like, you know, the fields are going to be amazing. You have this amazing harvest. And then there's going to be seven years of devastating famine. In fact, the famine is going to be so great that whatever you gain during the season of abundance will be devoured and destroyed and lost. And Joseph doesn't stop there. He doesn't just interpret the dream. Then he uses his skills that he learned from leading. And he gives the Pharaoh instruction in how to lead. Well, Pharaoh's response is this. He goes like this. Um, then Pharaoh said to Joseph, since God has made all of this known to you, there is no one so discerning and wise as you. You shall be in charge of my palace and all of my people are to submit to your orders. Only with respect to the throne will I be greater than you. Joseph, in this moment, because God gave him the skill to interpret Pharaoh's dream and then gave him the skill to know how to lead as a response to the interpretation of that dream. Joseph is immediately promoted to a position of governor over all of Egypt. Okay, so now he's in a spot where he's beginning to fulfill the dream God had given him. I, I thought I saw this really cool connection that Pharaoh's dream is answered by Joseph's dream. Joseph's dream is the fulfillment of or the response to Pharaoh's dream. Pharaoh's dream is about the well-being of the nation. Joseph uh, is given the gift to govern and lead with wisdom. But the, it doesn't stop there, right? Because as Joseph is leading, people now begin to come to him for help. Right? He leads them through the seven years of abundance. They store up all this food. Then the famine kicks in and nations begin to suffer and they start coming to Egypt looking for help, 
looking for food. And in this spot, uh, Joseph is reintroduced to his family. And, And so what I want you to catch is this. This is where the rest of the dream is lived out where we begin to discover a restoration of relationships. See, you were made to be needed and known. And we don't, we're not needed and known when we're pursuing our dreams, right? If you think about it, Joseph shares his dream with his brothers. His brothers hate him and they, they, they think about killing him and then they sell him into slavery. Now, I would imagine that most of you uh, no amount of jealousy or hatred has caused you to sell, you know, your brother into slavery, all right? But every one of us have had broken relationships as a result of jealousy, hurt, selfishness, anger, pride, right? Those things get in the way and they break relationship. They cause divisions, and so how do, you, how do you heal that? How do you restore that? And so you, now you go back into this story and you, and you think about uh, Joseph's experience and you get this, right? You get um, Pharaoh has this dream about the well-being of the nation. Joseph has a dream about leading and governing. But Joseph's dream eventually leads to this where he, he oversees the nation He's setting aside food for their survival and their well-being. Well, as I shared, eventually as the famine gets worse, people from the surrounding nations travel to Egypt to buy food. Eventually, Joseph's own brothers show up to buy food. And all the different people that are buying the food come through uh, where Joseph is ruling and and they have to kneel before him. Joseph's brothers come, they kneel before him. And eventually Joseph tests them and he, he's, he's challenging because he wants to see if they're the same hateful brothers he knew many years ago or if they've changed. And, and so finally he, he reveals himself. He lets them know that he's their brother. And so I want to read to you this moment because, of course, they're scared out of their minds. They're really upset, you know, when they, when they finally realize it's Joseph. And this is Joseph's response. In Genesis 45, uh, verse 3, Joseph said to his brothers, I am, uh, I'm sorry, I, I jumped ahead. Let me, let, me, let me read this part, verse, verse uh, 5. And now do not be distressed and do not be angry with yourselves for selling me here. Because it was to save lives that God sent me ahead of you. For two, years, for two years now, there has been a famine in the land. And for the next five years, there will be no plowing or reaping. But God sent me ahead of you to preserve for you a remnant on earth. And to save your lives by a great deliverance. Man, what a powerful speech to his brothers. I know you thought you betrayed me. But it was God's plan that I would get sent ahead of you to lead this great deliverance, to save your lives by this great deliverance. You know what this sounds a lot like? The story of Jesus, right? Where we, because of selfishness, because of pride, because of jealousy, we don't just hurt relationship with each other. We break relationship with God as a direct result of sin. Sin is this internal spiritual problem 
It separates us from each other, yes, of course, but ultimately it separates us from relationship with God and it leads to a forever, not just a forever famine, but a forever ruin. And so what what does Jesus do? Many years after Joseph, Jesus came, he was betrayed by us, he was betrayed by his brothers, but in reality he was sent ahead of us to save our lives by a great deliverance. Jesus gave his life as the payment for our sins. He died on a cross to absorb our guilt and our shame so that then he could rise from the dead in in victory over sin, in victory over shame and guilt, in victory over death and eternal judgment so that anyone who believes in Jesus by faith is saved in a great deliverance, a greater deliverance than just people being people being fed. Jesus uh, feeds our soul from starvation. He rescues our hearts from sin. He gives us forever life. And so, you know, before moving on to talk about how we can have restored relationship with each other, can I challenge you that the most important relationship that ever needs to be restored is relationship with God. And that begins through faith in Jesus. And if right now you know there's a gap between you and God, can I encourage you? Would you just say yes to faith in God? Invite God to forgive you of your sins, to remove the the guilt and the shame and to bridge that gap that's there and just to invite you back into right relationship with him. I promise you, God loves you. God is for you. No matter what you've done, you have not removed yourself from the love of God. God went ahead of you to save you through Jesus' death and his resurrection. And the only thing you could do is just receive that. If you're saying yes to Jesus, would you let us know by texting the name Jesus to 81411? And when you shoot us that quick text, we'll send you some resources. Look, I know you're joining us online. And so we would love it if if in the comment section you said something like, I said yes to Jesus today. We'd love to celebrate with you and, and, and follow up with you, but please send that text. Send the name Jesus to 81411, and then we'll follow up with you. Look, you're saying yes to Jesus. You have restored relationship with God, where God forgives, God heals, God's spirit comes into your spirit where he gives new and forever life. But God doesn't want us just to stop at knowing him. God's dream for every one of our lives is that we are both needed and known. So let's talk about that. And let's use the example and the experience of Joseph. Let me jump back in. Uh, Just before this speech that I read, it starts with this. So I said, you know, Joseph, um, he's tested his brothers, and now it's the moment where he's going to reveal to his brothers who don't know it's him, right? Because he he looks like an Egyptian ruler. And so here's the moment. Joseph said to his brothers, I am Joseph. Is my father still living? But his brothers were not able to answer him because they were terrified at his presence. Then Joseph said to his brothers, come close to me. And when they had done so, he said, I am your brother Joseph, the one you sold into Egypt. And so there's, there's some important pieces here about restoring relationship. And the, the first thing I wanted to catch your attention with, the first key I want to challenge you with is this. You are 
Uh, no, I'm sorry. God's dream is for you to be known. God's dream is for you to be known. God wants you to be in authentic relationship with others. He wants, you to, he wants to know you, but one of the important ways for you to be known by God is for you to be known by God's family, to be known in the church, to be connected in authentic community. So how do we get there? Well, let's use this example of Joseph, right? Joseph tests his brothers, and what he's really trying to find out is this. Have they changed? And so it's important for you and I to restore relationship. But one of the ways we restore relationship is we demonstrate to others that God has changed our lives, right? Like, I want to show you how much God has changed me. And what, what they had to show was that they were truly remorseful for what they had done to their brother, that they were changed men, that they would not betray one another. The tests that Joseph gave them was basically to find out if they would betray each other, if they would be willing to sacrifice one of their brothers for the well-being of the whole. And what he discovered in all these tests is that they were changed, that they were willing to look out for their younger brothers, that they were that they were different. And so in the way we live our lives as a church, as a community, let's show those that are not yet in community that we love them, that we were looking out for them, that we care about them more than we care about ourselves, that we're willing to serve them, that we're willing to be selfless, right? And those kind of qualities restore relationship, qualities of forgiveness, and repentance, of, of working through hurt, of looking out for others more than we look out for ourselves. And somehow in that, that begins to bring healing in relationships and restored community. So let, let, me, let me ask you this. Who do you need to forgive? Who do you need to ask forgiveness from? I mean, you, you're online right now. Maybe, maybe you just need to stop everything and Ask someone for forgiveness. Maybe you need to offer forgiveness. What relationship in your life needs to be restored? I mean, maybe that's why you're joining us online. Maybe where you are in your house, you don't even have a family member with you because there's a rift in relationship. Maybe there's people that you should be in relationship with, but you're not because there's brokenness in that relationship. Where do you need to restore relationship. And then in the story, here's this cool thing. Uh, Joseph says, I am Joseph. I am your brother, the one you sold into slavery. So he's not ignoring the hurt from the past, but he is making this statement. I'm your brother. I'm Joseph. He's reclaiming relationship. Where do you need to reclaim relationship in your life? Maybe this is a moment where you put your arm around your spouse and say, I'm your husband, I love you. I'm your wife, I love you. Maybe you need to shoot a text or make a phone call and, and, and reach out to somebody where, that has been in broken relationship and say, I love you. This is the relationship we have and I wanna see that restored. They were, his brothers were scared. They were terrified of this moment. And so it says that Joseph pulled them close to him. You know, some people are like 
allergic to relationships. <laughs> Maybe they're a little bit toxic. Maybe they've just been hurt so much that they have a hard time in relationship. And so when you try to lean into relationship, they lean back. When you invite them close, they pull away. Okay, so for those of us that have experienced restored relationship, it's our responsibility to pull others close. In this situation, Joseph had the power. He had the authority. When you have right relationship with God, you have the power and the authority to invite others into restored relationship. You have the power and the authority to invite others into relationship. I mean, you're the Benadryl to their people allergies, okay? And so what do you do? You just invite them to share life with you. You pursue them. You invite them and welcome them into your life. Look, one of the goals out of this weekend is we want to encourage every one of you to get plugged into a life group, right? Within LifeHouse, that's just groups of people gathering for community, for encouraging others in their relationship with God to pray for each other, to talk about faith, and to share life together, right? That's family. We, we believe at LifeHouse that, we're, that the reason we exist is to know God, find family, and make a difference. And this is all about finding family. And so we're a family of friends. A life group is a family of friends, so we have those groups in person and online. So you're joining us online. Can I encourage you? Just go to our app. Seriously, just go to, go to your app store, type in Lifehouse Church. You're going to see our logo, download the app. And on that app, it's very easy for you to find a group. Okay, we want to strongly encourage you to look for a group, find a group. We have groups online, and, uh, but we, we may have groups where you live. And so can I encourage you, find a group in person or find a group online. You need to get connected to a group. For those of you that are already in a group, pull others close to you. Why? Because we were meant to share life together. You were meant to be known. God's dream for you is to be known is to be in real, authentic relationship, to be in meaningful community with others where you share life together, where you support each other, where you care about each other, where we serve each other, where we, we laugh together and we cry together, where we celebrate and we grieve, where we work through conflict, right? Some of you, you've been disconnected from the church because of a problem, because someone hurt you. Maybe because the church hurt you. Hey, it's time for us to recognize that part of being known is to work through conflict, to work through those challenges and to restore relationship. Look, if, if Joseph and his brothers could work through selling him to slavery, I think you can work through the pain and the problems that have separated you from relationships. Now, there's another piece to this, a final piece. In, in Joseph's speech, he says this in verse five. It was to save lives that God sent me ahead of you. What's the point? Joseph recognized that this wasn't about his dream, but about God's dream. But that he was a necessary part in God's dreams. You are a necessary part of God's dreams. You're a necessary part in the family of God. You're a necessary part in your, in your family. You're a necessary part in the relationships that God intends for you to restore. You're a necessary part in a life group. You're a necessary part of the church. See, you're needed. 
You're valuable. You were designed by God with dreams from God. And part of that dream is for you to be both needed and known. Some of you, you don't feel needed and so you've disconnected. You you don't feel noticed in the church. Some of you have said, well, the church is too big. No, no, no. The church is not too big. That's like saying, you know, a city is too big. No, no, the city is meant to be big. The city should be growing. If there's healthy relationship, it grows. If a marriage is healthy, there are babies. A a growing family is is a healthy family, right? Like it might not feel healthy, but it is healthy. Okay, so let let me challenge you with this. The size of the church is not what makes it unhealthy. It's, it's not the size of Lifehouse that determines whether you're known. It's whether you're connected to a group that determines whether you're known. And you are a necessary part of the family of God, right? You're needed, meaning you have a unique part that only you can fulfill. You have a unique place on a dream team. You bring gifts to the church, just like Joseph brought a gift. He brought skills. He brought talents that save nations. You, when you bring yourself into relationship, it is necessary and you are needed. You're needed in your home. You're needed in your relationships. You're needed in the church. You are needed in a life group. You are a necessary part of the family of God. And as you do your part, because you're present, you belong. You're valuable. And you begin to feel needed and known. But you gotta take the step to get connected and begin to belong. So can I strongly encourage you? Here would be the challenge I wanna give you right now. Get connected into a life group. Real quick, what relationships need to be restored in your life? Who do you need to forgive? Who do you need to ask forgiveness from? Where is a broken relationship that needs to be restored? And can I challenge you, take a, take a courageous, bold step and get plugged into a life group where you can be needed and where you can be known. Now, as we conclude this, what I want to do is just have you, have you uh, we're going to sing this, but create space for you to respond. But this is an action step. You need to restore relationships and you need to get plugged into a life group. So I'm praying for you that you are experiencing God's forgiveness where you know God's love, but that that love that God has for you flows through you in a relationship with others. So make a commitment. Take that step right now.